What's going on, guys? Kieran Headley here from the Pocket Coach Podcast, and I'm here with Brian Picolts. Picolts. And Lindsay Rago. Yeah, you got my name. All right, yeah, cool. With a little bit of an accent, though. Yeah, yeah so it makes it better. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So um, I actually want to dive into this. Um, actually, before I dive into it, I just want to talk about this really briefly. This, These guys are actually, I met them about eight to nine months ago by pure coincidence. It was sort of, yeah, it's crazy, yeah. Um, like, we were just in Gold's Gym. It was my first day in LA, and literally, I think I was asking Brian to take a picture, and then I just got, felt this presence from him, so I asked her, like, like for his Instagram and that sort of thing and they're like basically saying oh yeah we're entrepreneurs we've just come here um, from the was it East Coast something? yeah it's yeah, incredible and um, we, we just we sort of connected that way which is which is awesome and I've sort of been seeing their posts ever since when I was living in Quebec and I was getting a really good vibe from them so I thought wow I've got to interview these guys and so I asked them to interview them and they've invited me to their place which is really awesome so thank you seriously I really appreciate you guys bringing me into your place Absolutely. Um, so I uh, wanted to actually interview them on a little bit more on the relation side of things because I've never actually done an, um, an interview where I've done uh, I've interviewed two people at once and in a relationship scene. So it's going to be really cool and I'm excited for this. I hope you guys are too. Mm. So I want to introduce actually little Brian and little Lindsay. All right. So can you guys please sort of back, backtrack for, for me? We're not going to get into the relationship stuff just yet. We're going to get there in a second, but first of all, we'll start with Brian, okay? Mm. So please introduce a little Brian. What, what, what were you like growing up? What was growing up like for you? So when I was growing up, it's interesting, I was always really energetic, and I always had to have the eye on me, mm. but when I was in elementary school, I was bullied really heavily, right. and it was actually really intense. I remember at one point, a kid brought a knife to school and tried to kill me. Um, what? Yeah. How does that happen? <laughs> it does. You it, don't. Hit, that doesn't happen in New Zealand, right? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, uh, and so I was in second grade, and I remember getting bullied profusely. But I also remember around the age eight, I started playing sports. And where I grew up, I was a group in a small town of like seven hundred and fifty mm. people in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire, which is on the east coast of the United States. And I just remember finding my way through two avenues. It was sports. So I started to get really good at sports. And surprisingly, like that put me in a place where I didn't have friends because where I grew up, you had to go to another town. And so when I would go to the other towns, I would play sports and have friends. But when I came back to like elementary school, I didn't. But I started to kind of see like the connection between athletics and just and obviously at a young age is more like an aggressive thing mm. like you know you go and you play sports and you feel good about yourself sure, yeah. and then I started playing music though awesome. um, I started learning how to play guitar and I just found this connection to something deeper and something bigger and as I grew up graduated to like you know other schools and and all of a sudden like there was a shift that happened and it was a lot easier for me to make friends i found myself being like the captains of all the sport teams and stuff like that and it just kind of transcended into this other thing so it was an interesting childhood i I always hated growing up in the middle of nowhere that's why i live in los angeles now Uh, literally from one into another (laughs) yeah it it was always this deeper desire that i wanted to be around things that Mm. were busier and bigger and I remember just hating the process of growing up like far away Mm. but then once I got into like middle school and really high school I started to come on my own and and I think that those lessons taught me a lot about just being a leader and standing up standing up for yourself really in a way but I used to play sports I was three sport athlete football baseball basketball Um, I used to play in a punk rock band too 
And uh, yeah, and then and, and, and um, yeah, just kind of moments like that that were always just fun things to do. In yeah, that was pretty much my childhood. Awesome. Little Brian. Yeah, little Brian. <laughs> At yeah. first, I was like, "What does he mean by that?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to rephrase that. Like that's that. all right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I want to backtrack quickly back to you said you were bullied a little bit. Um, what was that experience like for you? How did you overcome that? When I was, it was interesting because how, how old were you around? I was like. I was probably, it was probably from the age of six to the age, and it, it got better progressively as I started to get older. Right. I started to make friends on the sport teams. Oh, cool. And yeah, it was great because what happens was you grew up in the small town, you went to the bigger city, mm. quote unquote, which is like 5,000 people, which is actually where I met Lindsay. Oh, wow. um, but we went to the, the city and you would play sports. And so the great thing was once you graduated from elementary school, you went to middle school in Franklin, which is that other city. And I had a bunch of friends. Mm. And so I had so much confidence because of that. Awesome. But it was like a progressive thing. So yeah. I think the biggest thing is I had amazing parents. My mom and dad really loved me through it, especially my mom. I had an older brother who always let me be a friend with him. And awesome. like he, he was you know sociable. He had friends and he, he got along with people a lot better than I did. And so I was always allowed to hang out with him and his friends. Awesome. I think that gave me a positive outlet. Yeah. As far as the bullying, I just remember I, I would get bullied a lot. And I remember like standing in recess and I would get like a circle around me and they would just mm. either kick me or like be rude or whatever kids did. Wow. And then there was this moment where I remember I broke some kid's nose. Uh, I, I, I just remember being in like second or third grade and some kid came up behind me and hit me in near my genitals and I remember turning around genitals <laughs> little brother was in trouble then <laughs> um, but I remember just turning around and just 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 walloping on this kid mm. and just breaking his nose uh, that and then, then, two, then two weeks later that was when he brought the knife to school so it was same kid wow. yeah okay. it, but I remember that kind of steered things away that that kind of made it so I, I think I had more self-respect awesome like I was willing to stand up for myself and yeah. then that kind of shelled through and then you kind of deal with just the typical things but after that it got much better okay I think that was it and then like I said having my brother and my family was really crucial for them so someone to look up to or someone to push you what was um a friend. Oh, um, well, and it was interesting because when I got older, so I was a really great athlete. I played all three sports. Mm. Uh, I was a uh, I was a player of the year for baseball. Awesome. So I, for the whole state, I was a really great pitcher. But that was motivated because my brother was really good. He would. He. I just remember like one game he was pitching this like championship game, and I watched him just dominate. I remember just like wanting that same energy and presence. Mm. And so it was kind of like a little bit of both. It was like not wanting to beat him or be competitive, but he just led the way in such a great way that I wanted to be like him. Mm. So it was maybe some, someone like, to look wow, up to. here's someone I can look up to. Here's someone I can respect. I'd love to be like this guy. Yeah. Let's and, do this. Well, and yeah. I think the great thing too was he was just such a really great brother because I was a pain in the ass. And he easily could have <laughs> been like, he yeah. could have been like, dude's like, mm. my brother's coming. <laughs> but yeah, he yeah. always let me hang out with him and he was that's always awesome, taking care of me. So we, me and my brother have a really great relationship and I think that that's where it stems from. I love that. I love yeah. that. Um, so we're going to get into the meeting in a second. So I want to go with Lindsay. Mm. Please introduce little Lindsay. Yes. Baby Lindsay growing up. So fascinating. Mm. I was thinking as he was talking, I was like, I wonder what it's the, what it's like to have like a, a what would be considered a normal childhood. Because I definitely had... I don't think there's such a thing. I don't, I don't know. I've never met anybody that has like 
had the perfect childhood, but I grew up in a very interesting environment. So I was raised in a very religious environment. So everybody, I was also homeschooled, like up until high school. So, and it was just, <laughs> I'm like trying to explain it, but basically I, it was, everybody was Christian and everybody was in one little community. So all the kids, it was like 11 kids, 11 families, all were homeschooled together. So very, very sheltered, um, very different type of childhood. And that was my life. Like didn't really have much interaction with like the outside world, quote, outside of that little area until I was like probably 12 or 13. So just very different, like birthdays were typically had together, um, lots of rules, very religious. Very interesting. I was in a Christian rock band. That was like the first experience. That <laughs> I, I love know. This. That's how we met. That's Whoa. How we, literally, oh, how, that's literally awesome. how we met. Okay. First, first experience to the outside was kind of like the playing in the rock band. Mm. Um, I was the lead singer. Heck yeah. And um, started to play a little bit of sports, but kind of like what, that wasn't my vibe per se. But mm. so that's how I grew up up until like 13 mm. and then when I was 14 I was like screw this I need to go be social and learn how to interact with humans so I went to high school at that point and Brian and I were at the same high school she so, didn't like me she yes. didn't like me and, but <laughs> anyway so that's where I started to really under start to learn more about socializing um, mm. I was definitely accepted it wasn't like I was the weird homeschooled girl yeah. but, but you was, definitely weren't extroverted by her like, yeah right area. I was I was very um, social and mm. very much like kind into myself and enjoying having friends and um, so that's where I really just started to embrace people and start taking on more I guess different roles like seeing what I like did like theater I did sports I did like awesome. everything that you could do just, tasting, yeah. just seeing what I would like and um, yeah that's when I started to take on more like leadership roles and just like whatever student counselor just different things like that that would let me just see what I was about and um yeah so that's kind of that's the short version of how I grew up very definitely had an impact on me but I'm only recently in the past couple of years starting to like unpack some of that stuff and just mm. see like how that affected me not having as much interaction mm. with people up until I was like 14 or with people outside of like my religion I suppose mm. so definitely was a like a breaking out of that process and then kind of trying to find my own way right that didn't have those rules and regulations surrounding them so yeah. that was little Lindsay growing up yeah that's very <laughs> and then went to college and enjoyed college and yeah. now we're here but cool yeah okay well I love that and then obviously both your stories came together at some stage so when yes. was this uh, well, my brother played sports with him when we were young, right. but so I just saw him from afar, so I knew who he was, mm. and then we actually met, like officially met at a gig where I was playing, my band, my little band was playing, and he was just there, and that's where we first officially met, yeah. and then we went to high school together. We went to high school together, and I, yeah. like we, so we were both, I would say we were friendly to each other. Lindsay yeah. thinks that she she was a little, she didn't like me, and I say yeah. sometimes she was yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we went we went to school together, and she she was dating someone who was on my team. So like we we were always sociable together. I was okay. class president, and she was were you the president of your 
grade. I remember. What was I? I was student council. I but wasn't. yeah, we had that was something. You know, in student government, there was like interactions, and we were always in the same math class. So we were around each other, mm. and we were nice enough to each other. But Lindsay was a little bit meaner to me than ah, I Ah, yeah, the nice guy, Brian. <laughs> eh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Staying so I, w- I always, when I was younger, so I think that this is interesting. And I think that maybe we'll end up talking about this. But mm. I, I always, I always kind of, I think maybe it was a part of it was how I was, I grew up. Mm. But I always kind of beefed myself up a little bit to almost have a cockiness rather than a confidence. And a big part of that was just insecurity. And Lindsay Mm. didn't like that because she thought I was just some cocky sports athlete, but it was a little bit different than that in the long run. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then, uh, um, you like when you guys went to high school, college, We like, went to high school and then we went to separate colleges, yeah. both in the same state. Yeah. And we, we, had you guys decided friendship. to, I guess, th- no? Yeah, yeah. We're no. not even, t- we didn't even talk at no, all because wow. he was in a relationship and I was just okay. kind of bouncing around doing my own thing. Mm. That sounds so bad. Oh that my does? God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was single. I was single, enjoying my single self. Um, No, we came back together in um, like the second year of Mm. college. So yeah, but we had the same friend groups. So he came, ended up like reaching out to me. Yeah. So what happened was, I mean, she reached out to me because she was giving a salutatorian speech, and she was like, "Oh, I'm gonna give a speech at graduation. I know you gave one because I was class president. I gave one at my high school." And she's like, hey, you know, I do this. And I started talking to her. She stood me up. So this is interesting. So I was in a long-term relationship for like three Main years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. No. And so I was, I was in a long-term relationship for three years. And then she, then I broke up with that, that, that girl. And then Lindsay and I started talking. I was like, oh, you know, just kind of like, I kind of liked her a little bit. And I thought she was always cute. Mm. And she had a play that she was in. I was like, oh, when's the play? I'd love to go and see you. Awesome. And. And I show up and sit at the audience by myself the whole play. Oh, good on you. And I, I wanted to, like, obviously, like, you know, talk to her afterwards. My and, <laughs> and she messaged me after. She's like, oh, thank you so much for going. That's so nice of you. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> That's really nice. I was like, I went to I a high school play by myself yeah, yeah. Uh, to see The Wizard of Oz just because I wanted to be a good friend. <laughs> like, you know. I wanted. That's what I thought. And, mm. But so I, I started, when I was in college, I was working in three jobs going to school full time. I was in all these different things and it was mm. really, really tough for me. But this is during the time where I started bodybuilding. Yeah. So my, my journey for fitness started with bodybuilding and it, mm. it was this moment where I decided to quit playing college football. I lost 55 pounds in six months and I got in amazing shape and I started doing modeling. Wow. And I broke up with the girl I was dating who was the same girl because we kind of were off and on. Okay, I see. Um, and so this was like uh, you'd already been to this play and then this well yeah it's yeah, like a year and a half after it's like a year and a half afterwards okay. and then then i started doing fitness modeling and i remember talking to Lindsay during the modeling shoot because at that point i was single yeah and she goes she remembered her telling me like i was a tool and i was like oh no like i gotta i gotta prove this i gotta actually yeah. prove who i'm I gonna hold you at the tool part because I'm having to pause this podcast. I'm just going to be real with you guys because I'm actually waiting for my luggage to arrive and then I'm going to my next couch surfing place. So we're going to pause it for a moment. Then we're going to resume it in a second at when he thought he was a tool. She thought he was a tool. Yeah, yeah. But for you, it'll be one second. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, boom. And continuing from when Lindsay thought Brian was a tool. (laughs) So I remember doing a modeling shoot and she was like, I, I had the photos and we were hanging out with some mutual friends and she was like, 
it says something like, oh, it's all right, because you're, you're a complete tool. And I, was I definitely like, texted you that. Yeah, it was texting me. I think maybe I like sh- we were hanging out with friends. Mm. And um, texting. the next day she texted me and said, oh, you're a complete tool bag. And I was mm. like, huh. Uh, mostly because I, I thought that was a disingenuous like representation of my personality and character. And so <laughs> I felt like at that point I was like, oh, well, you know, I was in a bodybuilding competition prep, so I couldn't necessarily like, go out to eat with her or anything yeah. like that. But I had like a refeed. The, like six weeks after my contest and mm. I was like flexible or oh flex, yeah, 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 okay, flex, yeah for the yeah, most cool, part cool. flexible mm. definitely Excuse there was involved yeah there was mm. yeah, it was it was mostly flexible but I would say it was probably like 80s 20 okay you know trying to keep it mostly in, in consistent when you're mm. competing but she she came out to eat with me and we had an amazing first date and then from there it was pretty much we started dating awesome Going on dates, yeah yeah yep. so how, uh, how did the how did the perception change like how did that go over time? It took a while. Okay. It took. A, it didn't take a while. <laughs> it, took, it took July fourth. Okay. Yeah, it took a month. Okay. So that's fair. Okay, it cool. It took a month because he was he started talking to me in like April. Yeah, probably. somewhere April, May and April. April <laughs> yeah, so he talked to me sometime around then, and I was like, okay, nah, cool. not about mm. this guy. Mm. Um, and he had we had just been like going back and forth over social media, like you do. And mm. he had asked me if I liked su- maybe you asked me if I like sushi or something, but I had said that I loved sushi, and I was like, mm. yeah, we should go to Green Ginger, this place in our town, sometime. Cool. And coffee's like, ready. Oh. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so, so he had asked me if we could get sushi, and I was mm. just like, yeah, we can do go some go some time. And we ended up going to our like old high school's graduation for whatever reason. And I thought a bunch of us were gonna go out. I didn't think it was gonna be a date. And so I was just yeah. Well so it ended up it ended up just I was like, oh, is it just us? Like, oh, I guess I'll meet you there. And it was, in my head, I was like, oh, no, is this supposed to be a date? And I was all ready to pay. I was like, it's not a date. I'm going to pay. And then he paid. And mm. then it became a date. And I was like. Yeah. At the very end, though. Yeah. But yeah. then at the very end of the date, we started. So we are on the date. We really oh, okay. were vibing. And he was actually, like, had a soul. <laughs> <laughs> so, Do you think it was just, like, a heart of ice, basically? Yeah, a heart of ice. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. thought that he was very cocky and just had no person, no like deeper personality. All right. Like okay. that was just my perception. Yeah. Cool. And then it was wrong. It was wrong. It was very wrong. But after the first date, when we actually had like deep conversation, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is before social media like really existed. Yeah, so I would could, say so. Well, and you could so you couldn't. You couldn't act like you were deep by posting right. long captions. True. Yeah. You know? True. <laughs> you true. Know? No, I'm just kidding. No, it's it's, true. It actually is yeah, true, though. It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, yeah. After the first date, I was still kind of skeptical, but we went on several other dates and just kept mm. having those deep conversations. And he was, he and I were still, like, he was just out of a relationship, so we were just kind of, like, seeing mm. how it went, playing it by ear, quote-unquote. Mm. Um, was our thing like just play it by ear for like a couple months and mm. then it just in October so it started and we started talking in like March April May and then by October we were like officially exclusively just us awesome. mm. so it we did take always, some time we were always just us but it was more of like then it, the, yeah. the external commitment yeah, yeah. I, I was afraid because I had been in a relationship for, for, for pretty much three and a half years it's a long time man and especially during that phase of the life yeah, yeah. and I, I was like yeah. oh well the next person who's going to step into my life I'll, I don't want to just jump into a relationship no. and so I think yeah. it just kind of took me getting more in tune with 
like the person I wanted to be with, and it was resoundingly her. So that's awesome. We've been together now for like four years almost. Almost this year. Hey, that's dope. Yeah. yeah. Heck yeah, I love that. And then um. With you, Lindsay, you were previously in a relationship, right? When you were in high, high school? Was it, I had, yeah, I was in a one relationship in high school. Okay. That was, yeah, that was my first, like, real relationship. And then I was in, like, so, like a couple other longer-term ones in college. and But not really anything really serious. Mm. So it had been, I had had my time. Because I had I'd been dating from, like, 14 until 18 or 19. Mm. So I wanted to spend like a year or so by myself cool. and I did that. So then I was like pretty prepared mm. like for just to be in that. If I wanted to be in a relationship, I was more mentally prepared for it, I suppose. If yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. yeah. Sort of like preparing yourself for a relationship almost like, yeah. I guess in a way. Like, do I want to collaborate with somebody for the next like few months or years or yeah, whatever yeah. it comes to be? Well, I think once you get to like 20... Once you get in your 20s, some people, maybe not everybody, but I start thinking, like, am I going to waste my time with somebody or am I actually going to, like... Oh, for sure. Do I want to make sure I vibe with them? Mm. Like, because I don't think everybody has that mentality, but I certainly did. Well, it depends on the intention, too. True. Like, if you're talking about someone who's just trying to hook up with someone, which is no judgment, that's you, um, that's a different mindset than do I actually want to spend time with this person. For sure. Because I think everyone has their own buckets of what they would put those people into and categorize Mm. them, like... And I think that you have to be in a different space to want to be with someone. Yeah, definitely. And especially build a life with them. Okay. It takes it takes a lot. It takes a lot to build to want to build a life with someone. And yeah. I think that that's a totally different space it's, for a lot of people to be in because yeah. I, I think that right now it's hard for people to see past the short term mm. with a lot of things. Mm. And so I think when you're able to really establish that someone's good for you and that you're good for each other, it, it makes it a lot more fulfilling a propeller not an anchor right yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah and that's what yeah. i that's what i was afraid of because that's what i had mm. i was in a relationship with someone who was a really great person like there was mm. nothing wrong with their soul mm. but they were really negative and really toxic to my growth like mm. i remember i remember i was going through the phase of going into college it's like you know i went to school to study politics i was going to get a law degree and then i was going to go into be uh you know go into being a career politician awesome and I remember also like thinking like, oh, I could be an actor or I could do this. I could do that. And I remember her saying one time, she's like, you're, you're never going to do anything. And this is a person who was not doing anything. And she was just like, oh, you're never going to do anything. And I was like, well, what would you say? She's like, you just always have a different idea. You always have something else that's on your mind. Then you just can't commit to anything. And I was like really baffled that someone that I was supposed to spend my life with was going to be like that. And so, yeah, when I was really intent Oh, I remember asking myself when, before, because we were kind of going through this phase of like we were we were exclusive to each other just because that's how we are. Yeah, and that's that's yeah. the kind of people we are. Cool. But it was never like this is going to be the thing. Mm. And I remember asking myself like, who would who would the person be that I would want to spend my life with? And I was like, well, they would want to be like this, that, this, that. Mm. And I was like, huh. Well, that's exactly who Lindsay is. So I don't have to worry about it anymore. And I, I love that. That, that, that kind of clarity, it, it's almost, I mean, it, it, those kinds of things, you have to have clarity on everything. And I don't, I'm going to kind of back off on that because I'm sure we'll talk about that. But mm. you really need clarity on what you want in order to find a, a place where you're happy, no matter what it is you're doing, whether it's your relationship, your business, your fitness, mm. any of the like. 
it's like Google Maps, right? If you don't know exactly where you're going, you're screwed. Yeah, <laughs> like you're just exactly. off, on a, off with the wind. Um, cool. And then I, I actually want to sort of deepen this a little bit further and actually ask, before we sort of ask any sort of um, battles as a couple, I sort of want to ask about individual battles. So I actually want to start with Lindsay. Um, what's maybe a battle that you can think of that you've had to face yourself, whether it is within yourself or maybe something external um, up until now, what's something that you've really struggled with? Mm, like, just in general? In general, it can be just something random that pops into your head or it could be a darkest moment that you can think of. Mm, mm. That's a very good question because there's so many different categories that would right. come to mind. I mean, you could go, you could go any, I think any battle is... Do you have like the darkest place? Yeah, I think there's, okay. been, there's been a couple, I haven't had too many dark places in my life, thankfully, but mm. I definitely had some darkness. Like in, in high school, I experienced just a lot of, a lot of pain with disconnecting from my family and disconnecting right. from my parents because of the religious background and because I didn't want that anymore. And um, I experienced a lot of darkness there and a lot of darkness with my body image and with the way that I viewed myself. And I always, I never saw myself as like probably from once you, I think for, for girls and guys it's maybe different, but you start to kind of gain perception of like what you look like around 13 if not younger. And so I remember starting to gain that perception of being like, I'm fat. Like, this is what I define as fat, like at like 12 years old because my clothes didn't fit or because I was wearing ugly clothes because my parents maybe couldn't afford, I don't know, who knows. But um, just that perception kind of carried up and I went through eating disorders through high school and just never really felt- Meaning like starving yourself sort of? Yeah, I just didn't eat, just didn't eat, didn't, I, I think a lot of people will resonate with I would eat like an apple and then I would just kind of chew gum and not really eat. And then at dinner, I'd maybe have like a very small plate of just like some whatever my mom made. Mm. And so that would just kind of get me by. Nobody would really question it. Mm. So that was my life for like a lot of years. And it was just, I always know everybody saw me as like a really bright, bubbly, connected person, but I felt very like not in touch with who I was and just very uncomfortable in myself. Even when I was thinner or whatever, I still always saw myself as just like the ugly friend. Right. So th- that was just a dark time that it didn't feel necessarily dark in the moment, but to look back from now where I am, how I feel so connected with who I am mm-hmm. and w- the version of myself I present to the world, it's like, wow, that was like a really wow. cha- mentally challenging time, but you just yeah. kind of try to ignore it. So that was like, that carried all the way through college up until Brian's, Brian came in my life and started to show me that there were other ways. Like you, can, you don't have to just, you don't have to starve yourself. You can, you can eat food and enjoy yourself and you can change your body. Like it's in your control is what he started to teach me or I started to gain. So that, even though that's not like a pinpointed time, I think that the, the darkest moment that in that like body image time was when I was in college and some pe- two people in like the same probably week like screamed at me out of a window and like called me fat as I was like walking outside just like in college with all my girlfriends and like singled me out twice and so at those two points I was like okay I really need to figure this out like I really need to fix this because if I wasn't if I wasn't so uncomfortable with myself it wouldn't hurt mm. like it'd be fine so the fact that it hurt me so deep, I was like, okay, I really am not happy with myself. So those those two moments were definitely pivotal as like, I don't know what to do, but I need to do something else. Like I need to figure something else out. And the like the figuring it out ended up coming probably like six months later. Mm. But that was that was definitely like 
probably what I'd pinpoint as the the darker times mm. of my life, even though they're on the surface, they were all very happy. Yeah. So it's that's typically how it goes. I've had a lot of people ask me like, how do you know if somebody's going through a dark time? I'm like, honestly, there's like cues, Yeah. but it's sometimes it is really hard to tell because if you, they don't accept it in themselves, yeah. yeah. If they mm. don't accept it in themselves, you have to search for cues and you have mm. to search for like mm. me saying like, Oh, I'm just not hungry or like always pointing out like, I hate myself in that photo. I look so bad. It looks yeah. like that. And like actually listening to those because they're cues and like kind of cries for help, yeah, even if they don't realize it. So yeah. that's definitely where I was, but thankfully awesome. I'm like totally the other side of that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> At this point, so that's what I help people with. But I we'll love get there. That. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So um, what um, what actually happened to create that sort of pivotal change? I know it wasn't like like a moment in time, but what maybe mm. stood out for you in yeah. that moment that sort of helped that change? Yeah, I think. I think there's a there's two moments so to get out of that like body shaming time it was definitely when I went to Brian's bodybuilding competition which was one of our first dates Wow! and I went to the competition and I saw because up until that competition if you ever been have been to a bodybuilding competition or anybody listening you know that the, everybody's very lean and but there is a ton of people like they're normal yeah. people there's nobody you've ever heard of mm. and um, before that it was like the only people who were thin who were lean were models where people on like social media or Pinterest or like just images you'd see on Google so up until that competition I was like this is completely out of my reach my body will never look like that um, like there's just no way like it was just completely an impossibility in my mind up until seeing all the other girls on stage who were just normal people who got super lean and I was like oh it was literally like a click like oh okay I want that Wow. If they can do that, I can do that. Yeah, awesome. And I remember like the moment that it clicked too. So it actually does pinpoint to a moment. And I didn't really think about what that would mean, but I was like, I'm going to figure it out. And so then I just started asking Brian just a lot of questions as like, oh, well, why are you eating that? Okay, well, I'm so frustrated. I can't change my body right now. And he would like ask me questions that I just didn't think about. Like I didn't know what macros were. Mm. I didn't know... I'd never heard of really macros. Yeah, mm. I, had, I had already started coaching people yeah. too. Awesome. So yeah. I, I, I was that same summer. Yeah, well, no. Yeah. So I started coaching and training because I started my person. I started BP Fitness as a personal training band mm. brand in our hometown and mm. in college. And so I had like eight clients I was working one on one with, and then I kind of steered you. Yeah, because I've been going to the gym and trying since those instances. Like I'd still go run and I go do cardio forever but it wasn't doing anything. So once I went to that competition, I was like, oh, maybe there's something that I'm missing. Like maybe I'm not training the right way or maybe I'm not exercising the right way or eating. And um, I, I first started to change the training, watching him train and him training me. So like he'd ask me if he, I wanted to train and I said yes. But she couldn't get in the way. Uh, I was like, I'm in prep. I was like, you gotta be zoned in. Oh, yeah. No, it, went, it, it was really well. It was really fun. And so I just loved the training and I was like, cool. okay, awesome. But then st things still wouldn't change. So then I was like, I don't get it. And then he'd like question me like, oh, what are you eating? And I literally, literally had never even thought that food would make a difference. Mm. Like, And so whenever I talk to people, I'm like, I understand, but you're totally missing the food piece. <laughs> like, mm. Food is everything. Like yeah, you can literally. train as hard as you want, but if your food's not there, your body's not going to do anything. Mm. And so that was really where the shift started to happen. Cause cool. once I started to train, I started to feel really fucking powerful. Awesome. And that's when I started to feel like, Oh shit, I can actually do something cool. here. 
and that progressed in so many different ways, like totally changed my career path, totally mm. like, and there's a bunch of different instances we can talk about. Cool. Too. Yes, we'll get to that. But yeah. um, I just want to sort of point out, is it, was it more of the progress, progression that created the self-love or was it sort of the, oh, look, I'm, I'm changing my physique? It was. I'm loving my physique. Is that what sort of? It was me seeing that I could do things on purpose, and that would cause physical change. Mm. And so proving to myself that I could, I could do something. It Mm. wasn't external because it always you always blame everything else. Mm. Oh, it's just my body. It's just my Mm. metabolism. It's just my parents and genetics. Mm. And once you actually see that it's in your control, you prove to yourself that you can do it. And then you start gaining that confidence and gaining like a little bit of love for yourself. Like, yeah, I'm cool. doing this for myself. Yeah. Self-empowerment. I love it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. It's cool stuff. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we're going to leave that there for a moment and come to Brian. All right. Mm-hmm. So mate, uh, what's, uh, I mean, I could try to stab you. So, I mean, that's pretty hectic, no, but, yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. talk about maybe a dark, yeah, a dark moment or a darkest moment that comes to mind. So what I really think of when I think of dark moments mm. was when I was in college. Mm. So like I said, I was working three jobs, working 60 hours a week, mm. going to school full time. I was training about two hours a day. I was getting ready for bodybuilding competition and I was failing school and I was in a bad relationship. So like there was wow. all these different things yeah. that wasn't that bad. Um, what really I think my darkest time was watching my parents suffer. So my dad was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was 12. And if you know anything about MS, it's a very disability, dis, di, debilitating, debilitating, mm. sorry, mm. Del- debilitating it, yeah, uh, okay. disease. Essentially attacks your nervous system. So you lose, lose a lot of your ability. Oh, so to it's like an autoimmune disease. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, okay. And, um, and that, that caused him a lot of, um, of disarray right. and then at the same time my mom was working full-time to support the family and I was obviously doing my thing and it was really sad that's I think why I think that's where my intentions on a lot of the things I talk about and do stem from because I watched them just destroy themselves wow. by the choices that they decided to make with their body and their health and with what they put into their body mm. and I remember having all this resentment and hate and anger and just feeling like that was like the epicenter of everything and then all these other things were going on around me that i that i was trying to figure out and work on and figure and how do i control this and i remember about the peak of that was i had a massive panic attack and it just like I had this panic attack it come out of nowhere or well, so uh, that was like started my junior year yeah and I did the bodybuilding competition I ended up getting a full tuition scholarship to school through merit through like my grades and through effort and so that was when I started the company and I was like okay well you know this is like a massive godsend I don't have to work three jobs I can like actually try to start something mm. and so I started that and then I competed in bodybuilding I went back to school and I had like a different identity that I didn't feel like was mine so people started to treat me differently. They're like, oh, you bodybuild. Like, you're BP Fitness is what they called me. And I was like, okay. oh, my name's fucking Brian. Yeah. You can call me that. Because mm-hmm. it was used to, like, my business was used as, like, a poke. At yeah, like, I've oh, had that before oh, that's really when cute. I started Headley Fitness. Yeah. yeah, that's really cute. Oh, Headley Fitness, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, no, like, I'm, uh, well, I, I had pulled in almost, you know, for a summer job, I pulled in 10 grand for three for three months, and I was like, that more money than I was making anywhere else. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I felt that it was a little disrespectful, and yeah. college kids would kind of poke at me, and so mm. I always felt like, because I was marketing my business, mm. I didn't really know how to separate that from who I was, and so I always felt awesome. like there was a mask. And that started to produce a lot of anxiety because 
I would have to go out. I would want. I wanted to go out. I wanted mm-hmm. to go out because I had time and I wanted to build right. relationships. But at the same time, like there was this expectation for me to be this person yeah. or anything like that, and so that started to build anxiety. But the real anxiety was having to watch my parents suffer. Right. And that was like at the root that I never like addressed. Yeah. And then one time there was an Easter and we had Easter dinner and my uncle who is an addict wasn't there, didn't show up. Um, and then I remember like my brother didn't show up to Easter. It was me and my mom and dad and my grandparents and I was like the only one there and we usually had like more people there and I remember like we stopped eating at one because everyone was kind of like tired or whatever and I was like alright well I'm going to go work on the business and I remember my dad was passed out in, this, in his chair my mom was upstairs sick and I left and I remember just leaving and I was driving and then it kind of hit me because I was like saw families like walking like as their dogs together and yeah. stuff like that and I was like it's really sad that like I'm not I don't have like that family element that I grew up with because it was mm. such a tight family before my parents got sick. It really bothered me that I didn't have that. Yeah. I remember getting hit with this just massive panic attack. Like I was like, wow. it was just like, it, I, I, I had to pull over. I started like crying uncontrollably. Wow. I called my brother. I was like, God, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I've never, I've never felt like this. Yeah. And what it was is I realized that I had been resenting my father because he drank a lot. And I actually actually think I've ever talked about this. Thank you. Yeah. No, yeah. Sorry, sorry. So this is sort of you like pushing it to the, like, to yeah. the back. Like, I shouldn't be thinking this. I should well, be no, that. it wasn't no. that. It was okay. that. So my dad had a, uh, had a, I wouldn't, he wasn't like a, a abusive drunk or anything. Like that. Yeah. He just had a drinking problem. Yeah. And I always assimilated that he was a loser and a bum because of that. Right. And the truth is he was just really sick. Mm. And so I looked at that and then I had this weird moment where I went back to like when I was growing up and he needed help and I never helped him or whatever. Mm. And I felt guilty because I was like, wow, what's really happening is he's in this position where he got sick and he didn't know how to handle that as a man because he was building his own business as a carpenter and he lost his ability to provide and he didn't know how to handle that. So he started to drink and then I had an awful relationship with him. It wasn't like, it wasn't like dire straits, but it really wasn't good. And that, and I had this moment where I was like looking at myself from an objective point of view. And I was like, so realistically what was happening is like, he was also probably drinking because he didn't have a good relationship with me and my brother. And so there was like this like massive ball of just like tangled webs that came out and it was really cool. And it's an interesting thing to say. Um, It was really cool because I was going through personal development. I was starting to like really get into my being. And Mm -hmm. I was starting to meditate and really starting to try to figure out myself. And I had this moment where I got off the phone with my brother. And I was like, okay, so what do I do? Like I've had this massive panic attack. I realized the biggest reason why I'm having it is this. So what do I do about it? Like, do I go and continue to work on my stuff? Do I go and like... I love that you reach out to your brother as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I remember telling myself, well, the only logical thing is to go talk to my dad. Awesome. And so I remember I went home and I like stormed in the house and he was sleeping and I like woke him up. I said, you and I got to talk. And I just like was crying and just like threw everything at him. I was like, and I, I, I just, I apologized. Yeah. I apologized for everything that I had done in those times because I was a kid. But at the same time, like if you're not taking ownership of those things, I was like, it's still my fault. Mm. Like I was, uh, yeah, I was 14 and I like didn't respect him Mm. and I still don't need to, Mm. but I acted a certain way. Mm. And I think taking ownership of that freed me 
to love that. to because at the same time, like I remember thinking, like, oh wow, my parents are both sick. I'm gonna be here forever. I gotta have to take care of them, like all these things. And I, after that moment, I was like, no, I'm in control of my life. Absolutely. And yeah, all these things are like they're sick because mm. that was weighing on my subconscious. Like, how am I gonna take care of my parents? I can't even make it through school right now. And like, I think that was my motivation to build the company at first. And then I realized, like, that doesn't, that's not, like, I don't owe them anything. Like, not in, like, a egregious way, mm. but I don't have to limit my dreams no. because they didn't take care of themselves. And the great thing is, like, through the process of trying to help them get healthy, I got really good at talking to people who were in those situations. Awesome. And that's when I think my coaching started to take off because I was so empathetic to people who we're trying to get themselves together because my parents never did. Mm. And so all that these other people needed was hope. I love that. And that was like, I think that that's, that's where I, uh, my coaching really started to take off. And I think that's, if I could give a superhuman strength to myself, it'd be that. And I think yeah. that that's why. And so it's like that string of like, you don't know why things happen, you know, how you become a certain way. Mm. And then when you look at all the strengths you have, it's like, oh, wow, it was really those moments. Yeah, this came from that. This came from I love that. And um, actually, one, one amazing lesson that, um, that we can sort of portray from both of your stories is the fact that you really are in control of your own life, no matter what happens from external sources, no matter who's around. So, for example, you, Lindsay, when those two people, like, like twice you got called fat and um, you with your parents, it's like, even though that's occurring from outside of you, you still take ownership, like took ownership of your own life mm-hmm. and took the steps required in order to build yourself up. And that's incredible. Like, it's not very easy to realize that, you know, but you've, mm-hmm. you actually took that initiative to be like, actually, no, I need to do something about this. And yeah. you did, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, um, what you were saying about um, like actually sort of, I guess, going for like what you explained actually was literally what you had to do in order to overcome your problem was actually mm. coming up to your father and yeah, yeah. Mm. that's incredible so so I, I want to take the anxious brian and the i guess low self-love mm, Lindsay. Yeah. okay um when, when you guys met was there still any sort of um of these issues like personal issues still there so this is a very yeah that's a very fascinating avenue to go down because we both started at like a very anxious self-love low state yeah but i think because we were both going through our own battles we were but not the same battle Mm. very different battles we were able to grow together Mm. without tearing each other i love that well i think i think too i went through that the, the real anxious times when Lindsay wasn't around yeah so she was living in australia Yes, we were still dating, time. but oh, I was, cool. I did. Yeah. Awesome. Newcastle. And, and, <laughs> oh, nice. And what happened was like, so she went through her moment of like self-love, mm. but I, I already loved her. Like mm. I, I, we would already start dating and, and I think that for me, the moment that stood out for me is when we reconnected, it was really yeah. tough because yeah. I was going through all this stuff, all this anxiety and she had been away for almost six months. So she didn't really understand, like, because mm. it's different. Like, we were FaceTime and we were talking. Of course. But we'd only been dating for, like, six months before she left. And then she went for, like, I think it was four months. And so you're still in, like, a fresh part of the oh, relationship. absolutely. It's unknown. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then I showed up in Australia. I went to Australia for about, like, awesome. three weeks. Cool. And it was, like, this reconnect. And at first it was really good, but then it was, like, really uncomfortable. Because it was like, okay, well, I don't really know who you are. And so I think that that was a moment where we really had to lean into the relationship and figure things out and i think that took another four months Mm -hmm. it's been i mean the relationship's been a constant effort of that 
Yeah, just evolving and trying to figure out each other. Yeah, absolutely. We, as we grow, because we both have committed highly to growing in so many different ways, like so many different ways internally. Mm. Like we had our external changes and those were awesome. There's nothing negative to say about those things. But when it came to the internal changes, there was just, there was so much to unpack personally without, and it was hard to, to grow into those different stages without, well, we did dump it on each other at times, but That's without fully say. dumping yeah, it on each other. It's pretty easy to do that. Cause yeah. you can blame the other person for everything when you're going through like your deep internal shit. Yeah. But to not do that or to recognize that you are doing that, that's when you actually like make some changes to your relationship, I think. Mm. It's when you're like, oh, no, I'm actually not mad at you. Mm. I'm stressed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or I'm going through a grow period and this is hard for me. So absolutely. be there and I won't yell at you. <laughs> yeah, and they do say that relationships are where our biggest emotional wounds come out. You know, yes. like it's yeah, yeah. like what, whatever we've sort of been taught subconsciously growing up. Um, yeah. You know, in those growing phases, yeah, we really sort of project on our relationships, whatever our inner world is because of that. And the fact that you guys were like, actually, no, this is me. I need to do something about me is incredible. Like I've been, I've been in relationships before and I know what it's like to um, have this sort of urge to be like, no, there's no way this is my fault. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's incredible. And what, I guess, taught you that? Oh, great question. Uh, what, uh, what just came up for me was that I awesome. think that... So I grew up, my parents are amazing mm. parents. So my parents did nothing but love me and mm. my brother. And they had a, a deep love for each other. Mm. And I think seeing that for me, I would say that it's probably the same thing for both of us. Like I know, and you can, I'm not going to speak for you, but I know that you've talked a lot about how your parents had a lot of trials and tribulations. Mm. And then they, they came back together and like they always were willing to try to work it out or they figured it out. And my par- that was like my upbringing. It was like my parents were like a bedrock of love and support for each other. And I think that that was where it came from. Like I had a really sound foundation and I just came from this place where I think because I was willing to work on it and I saw that she was willing to work on it, it was always that, like it was, and we moved into Los Angeles. It's a totally different space, but like there was no option but to make it work. Yeah, I love that. I could see that too. I Mm. think that what comes up for me Mm. isn't necessarily my parents. I think my, my desire to like make things work I think stems from the extreme amount of empathy I have for people in general because I have a little brother who has Down syndrome and he's really pretty close in age with me and I I basically like my mom called me like his second mom like I always took care of him I did everything with him and he really bonded with me so I'm very very patient because like when they're growing up they're very like obnoxious which I can say that um but yeah so I think growing up with him as my little brother and just being extremely patient because he doesn't he's very resistant to change so any routine is very hard to establish with my little brother. So I think by having that growing up and just having that so ingrained in my brain, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, like if you're like this, like I, I had my own issues for sure. Like, but if you're like this now, like I'll be patient, like I'll wait, it's okay. Awesome. And I think wow. the combination of like his desire to grow yeah. and then my ability to be patient wow. just paired really well. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I love that. And then, um, <laughs> There was obviously battles as a, like as a couple at some mm-hmm. stage, you know, at, at some stages. Is there anything that sort of stands out to the both of you, or even individually within this relationship? Yeah, that you wanted to moving to LA was LA very very huge. hard. Yeah, yeah. So we we just kind of hopped in a car. Well, I ha- well, well so wow. well uh, yeah. So uh, there's 
there's my there's journey and then there's yours. Mm-hmm. There's like so many chapters to our story. And it's it's quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, not from like a ego standpoint, but it's like wow. I'm tw- I just turned twenty five. She's still twenty three. Heck yeah. This is true. And, and, uh, um, yeah, I'm baby too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're looking forward to like all the different chapters and looking at them. And I had graduated college. I moved out on my own. I started building an online coaching platform before coaching was the coach. Like there was no online coaching in New Hampshire and New England right. in 2015. Awesome. And so it was something that was brand new. I remember 2016, but mm. it doesn't matter. Um, and Lindsay was going back to school. She was just coming back from Australia and she competed in her first contest and I competed in my second contest awesome. and I went out on my own and I was trying to figure out how to be an entrepreneur. Like mm. how do you actually build a company? And so that was really difficult but then mm. I started to build a lot of momentum like mm. I started bringing in like $8,000 a month $11,000 a month and I was like wow I'm figuring this out mm. and I thought like I was on a roll Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. and then Lindsay Lindsay started coaching her in her own way she mm. started and I'll let her dive into that but like yeah. so we felt like when we were in New Hampshire for like the first like five months of that year 2017 yeah. we were crushing it mm. like and I was like oh shit we're gonna move out to Los Angeles it's just gonna get even better and then we moved out to LA and I competed in bodybuilding. She competed in her own contest and things as far as the business really slowed down. Like I went from having that peak of like, I remember hitting 11 K and I was like, Oh, like I'm, I'm the man. Like I was like on track to hit my first six figure year. Well, then, and yeah. then I remember having like, I remember having like two months where it was like two K a month. Like you're barely getting any sales yeah. or like they're not, they're like all the wrong leads and I'm competing in bodybuilding, but I'm working mostly with females. And mm-hmm. I was like, there's this massive split of being and she at the same time, like, I know that you're going to tell your own story, but it was, I felt so much like pressure on me because she had just graduated from college. Right. So I'm like, oh, well I'm supposed to be kind of like leading the pack because she went to school for engineering mm. was new for her. And I was trying to figure out my own identity. It's mm. like, okay, do I want to go down the route of being a professional bodybuilder mm. and what that entails and who I have to become to do that? Yeah, that's not me. Right. And so I went through like this personal identity thing. And the thing was, is during that time, we didn't have anyone else. Like we didn't really have any relationships in LA. Mm. And there was a lot of like anxiety and pain and frustration that just kind of got put on each other yeah Um, Yeah, a lot of frustration and anxiety throughout the days and it was never like completely lost but I remember there was a moment when we were in Miami because she had a contest in Miami where we just kind of like got an Airbnb and talked for like eight hours straight (laughs) like and Mm. not about good stuff (laughs) like either this is gonna work or it's not yeah and and that was probably the the most difficult challenge that we've had to date yeah, and there's so many parts and events within yeah, I don't know that. Where, I don't know where you... I mean, I don't know where my mind goes when it comes to our challenges because mm. there's... I think the identity thing was hard because it was like... The, I think, I think if we're going to generalize it a little bit further, like as opposed to like specific events, mm. it's like for a long time, it's still like this, but mm. whenever I go through really low lows, either mm. in business or just like feeling like I'm struggling... Yeah. yeah. Brian's really high. Right. And this has been consistent like for the past two years yeah. or a year and a half. 
like whenever I'm low low Brian's really high and mm. for at the start I was like lower and he was high mm. and so he always felt this intense like need to drag me with him right and i was just so like paralyzed by just like i don't know what to do like i have no idea this is not my zone i don't know what to do here that i leaned on him so much because again we didn't have anybody else and Mm. then at the opposite end like when brian goes through low i'm super Mm. high right and we've we've gone through those phases probably three times in total where he'll be high i'll be low opposite opposite Mm. and um so it was really what's taken us out of those experiences and those opposite ends is when I don't feel I don't feel it's my job mm. to fix him when he's at awesome. his low and he doesn't feel it's his job to fix me when I'm at that. my low. I love that. Because if we just support each other and just like yeah. we're like, hey I'm here, like we're gonna be fine. Like I'm here, I'm making plenty of money, we're good, or That's vice versa. Awesome. Then it's like, all right, it calms the anxiety instead of frustrating it or Absolutely. causing resentment. Absolutely. I love that because you guys are on different wavelengths at that point in time. So if one yeah. person's trying to sort of, I guess, get something get something out of the other person or get something, get someone to do something else, um, I guess there's friction there, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Or resentment or just yeah. frustration, like, Absolutely. hey, you're holding me back. It's natural though. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say one of the things that I think is the best is that we don't really bring each other down. Mm. So mm. like, I mean, yeah, like if you're having like an anxious day, because... Mm. You're human, and I'm here. Oh, absolutely. If I'm having an anxious day, honestly, she's much better at it than I am. Right. So, like, if I'm having an anxious day, like, she doesn't like embody that as much. Whereas, Mm. if she's really being anxious, I'm like, hey, like, why? What you need to like tone it down a little bit. But um, patience, right? Yeah, 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 she's much more patient than me. Um, But we don't like we don't sabotage each other. I think that happens sometimes in, in relationships. They go, you're feeling shitty. Well, I want, I, like, or I'm feeling shitty. I want you to feel shitty too. Right. Like I want, I want to bring you to this level. And I think it's it, we're, yeah. we're really intentional about not being envious when one person's up on the yeah. other thing. I mean, we, we've gotten to the point, like we used to be a little more competitive. Like, way more. Like, way more. Right. Not, like if Lindsay yeah. was like having a good month, they'd be like, oh shit, like I got to pick up. Yeah. And, but I think the greatest thing is, so we got engaged um, Congrats! Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, I did it. Oh man. Um, That's so cool. So when? In August. August. Oh man. Oh, Wait. First, you got to say how it happened. Come on. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. That's a good. Thing. I should just tell the story because okay. it's quicker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it's definitely her story is definitely quicker than mine. If you guys have any because there's a lot of backstory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you know, good story just comes. Yeah. You gotta like actually understand what's mm. going on. Do but at least like at least I like, keep it on point. Like mm. I, Lindsay, always you always bring fun. it back to the point. Yeah, Lindsay makes it makes fun of me because I like I'll like pull the webs apart, but yeah. then I always get back to the original point. Yeah. And that's what yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like talk for a half hour, and the mm. original point was that there, so we're here. <laughs> so when we got, so we were. We're in New Hampshire and we had it was August last year yeah mm. so we went home for like a week mm. and it was pretty much like Brian had been building it up for like a couple weeks just like oh I really want to film some content like when we're home I want to meet our videographer and I want to get this con- this commercial together and I didn't know that he hadn't really pre-planned this very much but it was kind of like a oh I want to do this because he had gone to a he had gone to an event and he had seen a bunch of different couples and it just mm. kind of solidified that like he wanted to be my forever mm. and um, so when we went home he just kind of like decided like hey I'm just gonna do this so he mm. went to one of our good good friends is a jeweler in our near our hometown so he worked with him worked with one of my best friends to get the ring and get that taken care of 
and all very last minute we planned a dinner with both of our families at the house we were staying at and I was like I just thought these things were kind of just flowing together nicely I was like oh great so like we're gonna go shoot content then we're gonna have dinner with both of our families and it's gonna be a great day and the cool thing is like that morning I out of the blue completely out of the blue like had just like a sense that he was gonna propose at this video shoot I was like I just feel like that's gonna happen and I just felt like it dawned on me because I meditate and stuff. So it was just like while I was meditating, I was like, boom. Oh, wow. Okay. That's going to happen today. So I like wrote it in my journal and like it's still there. I wrote like I'm thankful for my fiance. And he, he hadn't like hinted at all, really. There was like a couple instances where I was like, where are you really going? But it wasn't really anything. Mm. Nothing it. obvious. Sold it. Yeah. Nothing Heck obvious. Yeah. yeah. So we met at the capital of our state and it's this really pretty building and we walked around really awkwardly for like 20 minutes. I had and no idea what the hell I was Because I was like, I was like, hey, Bri, like we're shooting a commercial. What do you want me to say? Like, what do you want me to wear? What do you want me to do? And he was just like, oh, I don't know. Like uh, we're no. just going to just like constantly what am I doing? And Brian is very particular when it comes to like content like mm. or commercials or like things uh, that need to be planned. Mm. And so I was like, Hmm. Ah, there we and, go. Yeah, and the videographer okay. was like, Lindsay, just like spin around. Just like, I was like, this is well, stupid. Ah, <laughs> I know what you're going to do. Yeah. The ring, well, and the ring was in a bag. Right. And the bag was somewhere else. So we had to like, yeah. kind of like walk around and make it happen. I was like, yeah. well, how the hell am I going to do this? I felt so bad because I had a photographer there that was hiding. Um, and then I had my friend who was the videographer mm. who was just kind of shooting and, and he, he kept switching yeah, spots. Yeah, he was, was like, jeez, he's like, is he ever going to do it? It took like 15 minutes and then finally yeah. he was like, oh, Lindsay, stand here. And then I grabbed the ring. No, I but the whole it. time it was like this intense, like almost just like, if you could put energy into like a tangible thing yeah. where you feel like a ball of energy from each other, yeah. that's how it felt like the whole time my heart yeah. was pounding, wow. his heart was pounding. Oh, yeah. like, I've never felt as intense. present. I've never felt as present. Oh, I felt like man. I felt like out of body. It was very wow. out of body. Yes. Yeah. It was weird. Once he once he like got down, I was just like, I knew it. <laughs> there was, I was right. There, yeah. was this, there was this one moment because I didn't know how to ask. Mm. Like I was like, oh, oh my! I remember actually thinking like, am I actually gonna do this? Like. Then you, then you. I mean, just you know, okay. Was that you know? I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with her. Mm. What's that yeah. look like? Like all these like, you know, millions of questions that you mm. would ask yourself in that moment because I don't think it's that simple. It's just like, oh, I love you forever. Yeah, because no. that. Cause I it, got really anxious too. Well, because mm. if you think about it that way, like, oh, I'm gonna be with this person forever. You're that's like, exciting. Oh it's like, no, that's not exciting because there's a lot of turmoil that could come with that. Mm. And I remember, I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, well, okay, I, let's say I decide to go down this route and I decide to get engaged there. Well, what what does that cost me? Like in my life, like that cost me maybe other relationships I might have, or other mm. people, or other connections. Absolutely, and that, that can be anxiety as well. Like, well, and, uh, and there's other like maybe there's someone else I'm supposed yeah. to be with, or yeah. maybe that's another human yeah. being that I'll get to have an interaction yeah, with. Yeah. yeah, and so I was like, okay, well, what's that? But I was like, what's the other end of that? And the other end of that is having someone who I literally get to share every single day with, and I literally literally get to share every single step of our journey together with. And I was like, you can't like the amount of percentage of people who actually get to live our life in the capacity that mm. we do doing what we do at 23 and at 25 it's insane and they're going to have the next 50 you know to a, you know 60 <laughs> years yeah. together you guys will yeah. well yeah hopefully Probably. you know yeah. keep our time um, good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. but but you know what i mean like we literally have the opportunity to live this life together Absolutely. and that's an opportunity cost that's so much deeper than just an intimate relationship that you might have with someone else. Mm. And yeah. so I remember thinking that and I was like, 
I guess that's a lot easier to get around. And so I remember like thinking that. And then there was this moment that's where I was like, I was like anxious. And then Lindsay like wow. put her hand on my arm and she kind of just like gave me like a love tap. Like, it's okay. Like, I know, I know, like, it's going to be, it was almost like this subtle, like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it, it felt like a movie. It was just so it weird. It was, weird. It was really yeah. weird. It was really weird. I, I didn't realize that you felt so out of body too because I totally was like, I felt like I was watching myself. There's, wow. there's like no, I felt like there was and like there was no nobody sound. else. There's yeah. no Yes, I agree. Ah, I love oh this. There's like I little, love this. Like no sound. I felt like deaf. I was like, yeah, like it literally, so weird. I felt like, like everything I was just like else. Floating. Like Kyle was there, but it literally felt mm. like everything else just got yeah. cleared. Mm. That's so funny. I so feel the same way. That's yeah, so we've never cool. talked about that. Oh, I love that. Well, I'm glad you guys. I'm really flattered, and I appreciate you guys sharing that here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, great. I really do. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. So um, there was actually a few other things I wanted to dive into, but this was actually a lot better, honestly. So I, was, yeah, I love <laughs> no, no, no. So I, I don't want to keep it too long, um, just because I want to sort of try keep it within the hour. But um, I do want to dive into uh, what like. <laughs> I'm assuming there've been times where you've sort of projected anxiety almost and you've almost projected, mm-hmm. I guess, low self-worth in a way um, or low self-love, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, on, onto each other, what, um, are there moments where you sort of like, um, what, mm. uh, I'm trying to like sort of, I guess, bring words to it, but what, um, what, would, you, what would you tell um, others who are going through that, maybe right now who are in relationships. relationships. Yeah, yeah, in relationships who also find themselves projecting uh, their own insecurities in relationships. What would you tell them? I have a good, I I feel very pulled to that question Mm. Um, because it brings me to when we went through, if you've, have you competed? Yeah, once, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay, I thought so. So when you come out of a competition, Mm. you you go from your most peak state that you could ever possibly be in mm. to whatever comes after that which in a lot of cases is not the best coming out of that season mm. and that has happened for Brian and then for me just like seeing myself go through different phases of like just physical looks and this is to keep it like more easily understandable but it transfers all over mm. so when you start to like see yourself going out of your best state what you consider your best state at the time you start to feel insecure and for me when brian would call out like hey you're you you look good like you're fine you almost get mad at the other person because they don't see your or you you feel like they're not appreciating your insecurity right and they're almost agitating it i appreciate that you almost like start to resent them for that and i think that's happened both ways because when brian had like come out of his competition and Mm. not the best way i was like you're fine like you're just pull yourself out and he was like no like and you almost get angry at each Mm. other and I think that that is the way it is when you project anything, like yeah. even whether it's insecurity or anxiety, like if the other person is like, Hey, why are you anxious? Like what's mm. going wrong? And when you're anxious, you don't know why the hell you're anxious. Yeah. So when your partner calls it out, you almost get angry at them. You're like, I don't know. Like, why mm. should I know? Stop asking me. And like you, so it's interesting how to figure that out. And I think it really comes back to, um, communication mm. and I guess not sympathy, certainly not sympathy, but more of an empathetic tone of that. So really communicating like, Hey, I'm, I'm really feeling this way and I just need you to like understand and just like chill and not like agitate it. So, but I more acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. Like accepting it instead of trying to like, instead of trying to help your Mm. partner get over their insecurity, Mm. you're just like, I'm here. It's okay. I love that. 
And that's what yeah. I, that's, I think, regardless of, again, like whether it's your insecurity in your body, your insecurity with your anxiety or your financial situation, like the other person just has to be extremely like, you have to have like the energy of like supporting the other person. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you don't actually, like, support them and get it, like, you really you don't really feel that empathy, then your partner's going to feel that. Mm. Like, and they're going to feel alone. For sure. So that's, like, I think when they're projecting, you have to just take a step back and be like, I hear you, I see you, like, it's okay. Mm. It's cool. That's like, awesome. Yeah. yeah. and that's, I love that. Like, it's like undying support. It's basically, um, I say this all the time, but it's a commitment, not a contract. So contract mm. meaning, like, I do this for you if you do that, but it's actually the yeah. commitment of... I'm going to do what I can to make you happy, um, whether that's stepping back and supporting you or that it's actually helping you out with something, yeah. vice versa. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like, yeah, ex- that equal exchange at all. It's just, I'm going to make you happy. Mm. No matter what I can. Yeah. That's awesome. I, agree. I love that. So um, for you, for you, would you say? I would say insecurity thing? leads to, insecurity leads to blame. Mm, yes. And you need to stop blaming each other for anything. Right. So I, Lindsay, Lindsay used to blame me a lot and I used to blame her a lot. Like, well, when I start to feel anxious, it'd be like, well, mm. the reason why I'm anxious is because of you. Or like, you know, if you didn't do that, then yeah. it would have been fine. It's like, nah, you know, and, and it's okay to like have, I think, some sense of trying to defer because that's a human characteristic when, yeah, when, when you're, from a psychological standpoint, mm. we want to either mask it or defer it or, or try to just bottle that feeling up and put it on someone else. Yeah, definitely. But if you're being honest about the relationship i think you can come back to it and be like you know i was really yeah i and we have moments like that where i'll i'll put something on her mm. and then or she'll put something on me and then like like 10 minutes later 15 minutes later you know what i'm really sorry about that and i think that that's the biggest thing awesome. it's it's, it's well again ownership yeah I'm just being like hey you know what i'm really going through a lot of things i didn't mean yeah. to say that or i didn't mean to make you feel that way and obviously you have to work on those things so you mm. can't just like you don't just get a pass for being a jackass like you don't just get it's a pass true. for like so oh hey i'm sorry about that especially yeah, yeah. long term but those ignore that crown <laughs> those i think are the things that so many of us neglect in, in that journey because it's like you hold on to it and mm. then at the same time we never we've never gone to bed angry at each other i love yes, that yes never i love we that. almost did twice and then we just were like hey wake up we i love that <laughs> okay and who's, is there like one one of you that points um like kind of calls it out or is it calls like, out like when like, we're like oh we need to sort this out before we go to bed <laughs> no it's just a mutual thing it's, right, cool. it's, it's been like a commitment since yeah. ever I Lindsay think. usually will cave before i will because i'm more stubborn yeah 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 yeah, yeah. But I like that you meant that. I appreciate as it. As long as I'm not tired, yeah. I will not cave first. But if I am tired, I will cave first. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I know I'll fall asleep whether he's I'm angry or not. Yeah. I'm like, if I'm tired, I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Ah, cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, thank you guys for sharing that. I've got one more question. Okay, it's a very broad question. I like to sort of ask like a broad question. It's going to be very individual based off your experiences, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason why I thought of this question before I came into this interview is because Brian's headline is Be a Light. Mm-hmm. And now... I love that because it's literally um, like he's like both of you are taking your experiences, uh, your lessons learned and actually helping others through those experiences and through those lessons, which is actually a beautiful thing because it can be quite a scary thing. So sort of stepping back into those experiences and sort of almost reliving them through other people. Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful thing that you do. So I just want to thank, thank you. you guys for mm-hmm. doing that because it's so like this a real gift. Like it really is. So awesome. Um, so I actually want to ask in your guys' opinion, okay, individual, um, what does it mean to be a light? To me, it means optimism. Okay. So to be a light means that 
you realize that there's something that's special and unique about you mm. and that you have a, a you have a necessary obligation to show that mm. in whatever capacity that is I think that my my biggest my biggest ambition is to allow people to see themselves as they want to be seen and to establish something that's better for everyone else. Awesome. So if you do something that's, that's why fitness is so amazing. Yeah. Because fitness is your first connection to yourself. I love that. And so if you're connecting to yourself, you see that you can embody a bigger space. Right. And if you can embody a bigger space, then the good that's inside you can affect more people. Amazing. And so that's what I think being a light means. It means mm. that you see that you have value, you you believe that you can do something better for the world, mm. and you have an obligation to put that into the space because if you don't, then no one else will see it. I love that, thank you, mm. yeah, it's awesome. And then you, Lindsay, um, to you personally, what does it mean to be a light for others? Yeah, I think mm. for me, the things that initially come to mind I'll round it out to something more tangible, but mm. I almost see being a lot as just like the way that you, the way that you feel like mm. first and then the way that you're perceived. So for a lot of the girls that I work with, it's like once they, once they get into it, you start to notice that they're like glowing. Like they're awesome. like, you know, that, that, yeah. that compliment, like yeah. you're just glowing. That's when you start to become like a light. Wow. And it's like, it's funny how those two things, like those two words are, pretty synonymous if you're glowing your light but that that like perception of someone really shows what they're feeling inside which is yeah. just lighter like it's not that they're like there's like a spiritual, light bulb but spiritual, spiritual. Yeah, yeah like literally like feeling feeling lighter mm. and not feeling like your shoulders are dropping and you're just like ugh, like heavy wow. and i think so i think being a light is feeling lighter it's feeling so much more that. comfortable in your skin and, and happy with who you are like if it was just you and it was the end of the world like would mm. you be happy with yourself and if you do genuinely feel that way then you'll project that everywhere oh, absolutely like you'll walk into places with a smile on your face you're like regardless of whether or not you for like the girls I have like whether or not they've lost weight it's just a difference in the way that you carry yourself and mm. by carrying yourself in that lighter way it projects into every room and every person that you talk to every soul like even if regardless of that other person's energy like the light brings overpowers like if they're feeling something negative they start to feel a little bit better I love that so I don't know if that answered it. No, absolutely. It does. Absolutely. You almost sort of gave a, gave a physical embodiment to that spiritual element, which is incredible. And I love that. Um, and it's almost like both lightness and darkness are endless, but so it's up to you which one you choose almost. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. For that's sure. incredible. Well, I think, uh, I don't mean, I know you, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, Karen. I think, yeah. I think the thing that really stands out too is mm. that you, you do have a choice. Mm. Like yeah. you absolutely can, do. Yeah. Like you have you have your shadow and then you have your light mm. and you have a choice which one you want to embody. Yeah. I think that's the thing about mindset is it's not that things are always perfect mm. and it's not to say, I think there's a difference between someone who's clinically depressed and mm. someone who is just going through a struggle because mm. those are two different things. And Absolutely. I, think, I, think I agree. That, I think that most people, I think that most people who are in an instance where they are struggling mm. aren't depressed. Mm. And, then, and then those are two, like I said, like to separate the two, mm. most people just need to realize that they have control over it. The thing and is, um, like even with clinical depression, there's something called epigenetics where there's like triggers. Mm. Um, so that's sort of backtracking towards those, but that's definitely something that I've talked about um, previously. But um, yeah, it's absolutely like, I agree. There's definitely a difference between the two. 
Um, and uh, at the end of the day, no matter whether or not it's clinical depression or something that where it's they're genuinely struggling, ownership is literally the key. Like you've actually got to take ownership and do something yeah. about it. Otherwise, nothing's ever going to change. Yeah. No one can change it for you. Yeah. Go to your yeah. default. Mm. Well, that's why if you choose to be a light, then there's there's nothing else. There's no other option. Mm. Like yeah, all you exactly. have is hope. Mm. Yeah. That's I beautiful. Agree. Thank you so much, guys. I, I, yeah, I was. I enjoyed that. I really got really into it. Yeah, so thank you, guys. Um, I just want to sort of finish this off with where they can find you guys because, oh, honestly, sure. you guys have shared some amazing stuff on this podcast plus all the stuff that I've actually um, had the uh, sort of had the pleasure of actually uh, communicating with uh, before this podcast but also about nine months ago when I first met them it was just an incredible experience being able to meet them and um, nine months later being able to talk to them about this stuff so it's really a beautiful thing so please share where, where they can find you because I highly recommend going. Yes, so you can find me on Instagram at Regobomb, so mm. it's R-A-Y-G-O. And I love that like title, Regobomb. <laughs> yeah, somebody thought of it one day, and that's just yeah. suck. Um, awesome. You can find me there. I'm also Lindsay Rego on Facebook, and then lindsayregofit.com is my website. Cool. And you, I'm on YouTube too. It's just my full name. Awesome. awesome. All the things. Yep. And you can find me at Brian Pickowitz, P-I-C-K-O-W-I-C-Z. And that's going to be the same on Instagram and mm. on Facebook. And you can also follow me on iTunes. I have my podcast, My Journey. Please where do. We bring fitness professionals and professionals from the fields of entrepreneurship and also health and wellness mm. to talk about their personal journeys to discovering their, their way through their struggles to become better. And so we're going to have to collaborate. Yeah, you want, oh, you know, absolutely. so yeah, when, you guys, when you guys it. listen to that and check yeah. out that podcast and also when we do ours together, we'll, we'll make sure that that's plugged into. Beautiful. Well, yeah. thank you so much guys once again. And like I said, guys, you really do have to hit across and check them out because they are beautiful human beings. Not only that, they really do share so many vulnerabilities that you just don't hear about, especially in the fitness industry. So once again, guys, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. All right. Make sure you subscribe to this, uh, this, pocket coach podcast and head along to headley fitness on instagram and um we'll also put this up on video format on my youtube kieran headley cheers guys have an amazing day i'll catch you later cheers